sorry. The, um, can I do that? I did it. We're going to be starting now uh, in a new series. We've come through Genesis, those first 11 chapters, and, uh, and that was excellent. And uh, can I just say, it's so good to see everybody so much closer than what we had before in the long, narrow building and so forth, but everyone is just so much closer. It's so excellent to speak from here in this way and uh, it's much more intimate. The, um, so we're going to be going on to a new series and this is the Sermon on the Mount. Three fabulous chapters. Over the next um, about three months, yes, three months, we're going to be doing those three chapters and I, I would encourage you to read those three chapters once a week during this time. So as we speak on the various parts, you have in your mind and are building an overview of what Jesus was speaking about to us so that you have the connection of one part to another and it builds what he desired into our lives as being the foundation for living for Christians. The temple, sorry, the the, uh, Sermon on the Mount is for Christians, is for his people and the way that we should live. But today is the introduction to that and the, the teaching committee asked me to speak on this first verse. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them saying, The Sermon on the Mount, who? That's my subject. Who? This is the beginning of Jesus' teaching ministry. And we saw that before this, the context was in chapter 4 that he was the time of his testing in the wilderness. So he'd come back from that and he started to preach. Verse 12 says, When Jesus heard that John had been in prison, he withdrew to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was, like, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali. If we go over to Luke, it tells us there, fills that out a little bit and it tells us that he went in and preached in one of the synagogues in Nazareth. And he took the scroll which was from Isaiah and he read verses concerning the Messiah who was promised. And he stood there in front of the people and what did he say, Ron? That's right. Today these words, you knew you were just picking on me. Today these words have been fulfilled in front of your eyes. He proclaimed in front of those people in the synagogues that he was the Messiah, the beginning of his teaching ministry. He then went around the area of Galilee and he started to heal the sick 
to restore the sight to those who are blind, to touch and bring movement to the bodies of those who are paralysed. So why was this? Why did he do that? Was it just because he was a man of compassion? Was it just because he saw these people and and he just wanted to help them? Or was there something greater at work here? Was it more than just a good man? Jesus. Who was Jesus? Jesus came to earth or was born 2,000 years ago. But since that time, his birth has been used to run our calendars. Since that time, the book, the recording of his words and recordings about him have been translated into most of the languages of the world and continue to be translated. People have been following this person that lived for a very short time on earth 2,000 years ago. And on probably most days of the week, all around the world, someone is standing on a platform preaching about this Jesus. And today we open a passage where he went out of a town and he sat on a hill and the crowds gathered around him and he taught them. Why? Who was this Jesus? We've just come through the book of Genesis and as we read the book of Genesis, right in chapter 1, it says, everyone's scrambling in their minds to think, what did they say all those weeks ago? It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The word used there for God was Elohim. The plural name for God, not God's, not plural as in God's, but the plural content of the name for God in the way that he chooses to reveal himself to us. And he chooses to reveal himself as Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And Colossians goes on to tell us this. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. 
He is before all things and in him all things hold together. So God the Father created all that there is through his Son and the creative power of the Holy Spirit. So right from the beginning, Jesus was there. This one that now was sitting on a hillside and looking out upon those people with compassion was the very one who created them. The very one who held this universe in position and makes everything work according to his plan. So was this just a man who was a good teacher? Was this a person who ran down the outside of the, of the, of the schooling ministry of, uh, of, the, of the time but it was a brilliant man and had all of this knowledge of the Old Testament and he then chose to give his version of it to the people? Right from the beginning of time, before God created this earth, God had in place a plan that his son, Jesus, part of the Elohim, would come as the Messiah, the promised one, the chosen one, the perfect lamb of God and he would come to this earth and he would restore things and make them right again. So why did he walk through Galilee before he sat down there on the hill? And why did he heal the sick and the lame and the blind and the paralysed? Why did he do that? Because his heart was tearing within him that this creation that he had created these people who were made perfect in the beginning. As God looked on his creation, what did he say? It was good. And after creating man, he stood back and in the context of it all, he said, this is very good. And when God says it's very good, what is it, Terry? Very good. Very good. But then all of that, all of that was broken when sin came into the world. And as Jesus walked through those crowds and he saw the effects of sin, his heart was torn within him. For people who should have been whole were broken. For people who should have been living in relationship with God had been torn from his grasp as sin broke that relationship and death was brought to their bodies. 
And as he walked through those crowds as the one who had been there from before time began and had been there and created and formed man out of clay and breathed into his lungs the breath of life and knew what man should be like, in compassion he reached out and healed them. Only temporary at this stage. But he brought sight to those eyes that were blind. He brought healing to those limbs that didn't work. For those who were sick he raised up, looking forward to the time I'm sure it was running around in his mind to the time when this would be done completely in the restoration of the world. This Jesus, not just a man, not just a rabbi, not just a teacher, but the second part of Elohim through whom The Father created all that is. And as he took that scroll and he pronounced that this prophecy has been fulfilled today before your eyes, the people didn't know how to react. Didn't know how to react. How have you reacted to Jesus being presented to you? As you may sit in this, in this congregation and over time heard about Jesus, a good teacher, a good way to live, a person who can bring morality into my family, someone that I'd like my children to follow, good teaching about the morals of life. But Jesus, as he went out on that hillside, looked down upon those people and he wanted so much more for them. So much more than healed bones so much more than sight coming to eyes, so much more than diseases being healed. His heart was torn within him as he sat down to teach. This was just the beginning, just the beginning. It also tells us that the disciples sat around his feet that day. He hadn't finished the calling of all his disciples. Only a few had been called at this stage. It was the custom at the time for all of the children, the Jewish children, between about the ages of six and ten, 
to learn the first five books of the Bible and they learnt them off by heart and I'm sure that's what our kids are doing now in kids' church. They learnt the first five books off by heart and then the best of those, the ones who showed that they grasped it and, 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 and learnt it easily, went on to learn under a rabbi and they learnt then the rest of the Old Testament. And then at about the age of 14 to 16, they would choose a rabbi that they would then go and spend all their time with. And they would sit at his feet and they would learn the way that he interpreted the Old Testament. These were the best of the students, the best of the best. The others, well, they just became tradesmen, Brett. (laughs) They were told to go back and work in the family trade and the best of the best went to sit at the feet of their rabbi. But isn't it interesting that Jesus He didn't go to the synagogues to find the best of the best to be his disciples. You see, on this occasion, he went down to the wharf and he saw some fishermen. And where we look on the outside of a person, When we come and we want a fine strapping young man to stand up and become the the front of our organisation, we obviously would go straight to someone like Josh. Yeah, he's nodding his head. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) We look at all the attributes of a person, don't we? And we think, what sort of a face of our organisation is this person going to be? Would you have chosen any of us? No need to say, Kate. Would you have shown any of us? Jesus went and he chose people who were told to go back and go back to their family trade. And so these, at this, at this point here, there were four young men who were emptying their boat of fish and starting to repair the nets. And Jesus came to them and he saw straight through the outside and he saw their heart. And he said, come on, follow me. I'm going to completely change your outlook on life. I'm going to completely change your circumstances. You will no longer fish for fish, but you will fish for men. Now, if someone said that to you, what would you think? (laughs) what an interesting thing 
Leave your family. Leave your trade. Follow me. And what did it say? It says, and immediately they left what they were doing and they followed him. They didn't worry about the consequences. They heard the voice of the Saviour. How many times have we heard the voice of Jesus speaking to us? And how many times have we continued to sit and not stepped out in the things that he has called us to do? We continue to chew over the circumstances. Oh, but if I do this. Oh, but what happens if I... Oh, how will I cope? How will mum cope? How will dad cope? How will... How will... Well, if these fishermen had said that this, that day, what would have happened? But it said, they immediately left what they were doing and they followed him. And they followed him through the crowds and they saw as he touched, as he gazed upon, as he held and he spoke those words, be healed. He saw people, they saw people being made whole. And do you think their hearts would jump within them? Do you think as they saw those things, what have we got ourselves in for? Do you think as they saw those things, they started to say, this is better than fishing? (laughs) And then he led them all out onto the hillside and he sat down. And the crowds gathered around. There would have been so many. It doesn't say. But there would have been so many. He couldn't talk to them freely in the streets. They wouldn't have heard him. But he went out where the acoustics would have worked. And when the large crowd had gathered, he sat down. And there, those disciples, as they would have gathered around the feet of their, of their rabbi at the time, these chosen ones sat down and they listened to the words of their teacher. And he said. So with that as the context for the next few weeks, months, sorry. With that as the context (coughs) for the next few months, how are you going to receive these words of Jesus? I think as Christians we can become very complacent when the Bible says, and Jesus said... We can be very complacent because we have heard it so many times. Billy, how many times have you been sitting in this congregation and heard a a, a teacher here say, and Jesus said? You can't remember, can you? So many times. But we as humans in our frailty, 
we become so complacent with hearing the same things. And we sit back and in our Christian life, God calls us to get on with the things that that we do day by day. To be carpenters, to be welders, to be this, to be that, to be teachers. And we lose sight of who it was that called us to be these things. And as we sit here, sometimes we've heard the same sermon, yes, said a slightly different way, so many times that we lose the context of who was it that said it. It's not Garth. Don't listen to him. It says here, that Jesus, Jesus, the promised one of God, the one that the Jewish nation had been longing for for so long to free them from the bondage that they were in. And he But we know, because we've got this book, we know that he went on further than just teaching on a hillside. He went so much further than healing the physical. He went so much further than having his heart broken because of the sin in the world. He went so much further than seeing people who had their relationship with God cut off because of sin. He went so much further than this hillside. He went to another hill, the hill called Calvary. And on that hill, he allowed his own body to be broken. On that hill, He brought forgiveness for sin that had come into the world all those years before. On that hill, he brought redemption. He paid the price for the justice of God, the price that had to be paid because of sin. He paid it. And he didn't just leave people being healed physically. When he left this earth, after all of this teaching, he left a restored world. He left a redeemed world. And for all of us who would come to him, he restored that relationship back to God so that once again it could be said, And it was good. It was this Jesus and it's his sayings that we're going to be teaching on over the next three months. So with this context I ask that you read these chapters. It's in this context that you listen to these words. It's in this context that you allow God to speak to your heart. so that like the disciples of that day, you would put down your nets 
and immediately follow him. Who was the question at the beginning? The Sermon on the Mount, who spoke? God spoke. Jesus, fully God, fully human, sat down on a hill one day and he addressed the multitudes and he said, so are we going to listen? Let me pray. Father, today I give thanks to you for all that you have said through your Son, Jesus. I give thanks to you today that you sent Jesus to be born of a virgin, to live on this earth fully God, fully man. I give thanks to you that during his time on earth he taught what it is to be a man, a woman living in relationship with God. And he taught us to live with each other. But far more than this, Father, he also bought the way for us to be restored, redeemed, forgiven and brought back into relationship with you. Father, today I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, Amen.